Hello and welcome inside the Luke and Charlie Show podcast. My name is Luke Tanaka. I am here with my good friend, Charlie Rumeliotis. If you could spell that, more points to you, because uh, I know I sure can. Actually, I probably could, but well, I digress. We're going to talk a little bit about <laughs> the Elmhurst Augustana basketball game. Um, I called it, I think it's the biggest regular season game in Elmhurst College men's basketball history. I know they've they've had some good playoff runs uh, in the early 2000s and the mid 2000s. Uh, they didn't really have anything surprisingly when Chris Martin was here, uh, because they they had a little trouble with just trying to get into the tournament. It was it was they got uh, I guess kind of gypped a couple of times. But we were uh, talking we were talking off the air. Wasn't Coach Baines an assistant on that team? Coach Baines was an assistant at Elmhurst from 2000 2010. So he That's was right. he was here during Elmhurst uh, 2000s heydays too. Which and the highs and the lows because he was also here in the the last couple of years that were very tough for the program. Yeah, because I remember when he first when Coach Baines first got hired, I interviewed him for our school newspaper, and uh, I remember him. I asked him what one of his goals was, and and he said uh, the the main goal is to to make the atmosphere and to pack R.A. Fagenal Hall the way I the way we did the the first time I was here, which was ten years ago. And that they accomplished that yesterday. They and, did. And that's just the beginning of the season. Almost 2,000 people packed R.A. Fagan Hall last night, and the Blue Jays came out victorious 77-75. to 75. It was a game, well, I suppose maybe the best way to put it would be just to read the lead from ElmersBlueJays.com. The first ever showdown of top five teams, and Elmers lived up to its billing as over 1,900 standing room-only fans and attendants were treated to a contest that featured 19 lead changes. 13 ties, a pair of court stormings, or as it's described in the story, on-court celebrations by Elmhurst fans, a video review at the end of regulation, and eventually a two-point overtime win for and, Elmhurst. And, and two storm courts, or court yeah, they, storms. They, 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 we, they stormed the court twice. I got a picture of the first one, and I tweeted that one out yesterday. I did not get a picture of the second one, but there's just so much to talk about in this game. It was number five Elmhurst and number one Augustana. And Augustana coming in undefeated. They had huge wins. They had defeated 10 teams in non-conference play by 18-plus points. This included ranked UW-Whitewater, who was in the top 25. This included the team that beat them in the national championship game last year, UW-Stevens Point. They absolutely throttled UW-Stevens Point in that game, who by, by had lost a lot of seniors. But still, regardless, that's still another big win. And they, they just came in. They, they had that swagger about them. And... Uh, Hunter Hill, their best player, has that swagger about him too. Uh, and you, you really, you know, when Augustana is in the building, it's there's just a different feeling. And and yesterday, it did not feel like the second conference game of the season. It felt like uh, like a March the, the, game. the fourth round of the NCAA tournament, like the Elite Eight. They're trying to go to the Final Four, which we may see this matchup in the Elite Eight. It's quite possible. Uh, just it just felt it, the atmosphere with almost two thousand fans. The physicality of the game, the chippiness, you could tell how much the game meant to each team because of how passionate and a little bit chippy they were in the game. Uh, it just felt like an Elite Eight game, and it's only the first week of January. Yeah. Uh, Luke, uh, we, were talking, we were talking off the air about this. Where, where does this rank uh, in the games you called? Because remember last year, that was that was it triple overtime or quadruple? It was triple. I did not call that one. Though. It was uh, Correct. Yes. Ah, you're right. No, I think we were watching it, though. We, we watched it we were uh, separately, separately but talking during it. This was by far the number one 
game I've ever broadcasted. Right. And I, last year I broadcasted uh, both games in which Brian Ackerman scored game-tying points in the last 30 seconds, uh, which was actually against, that game. Uh, against Augustana when he uh, drove to the basket from the right side and lifted a floater that tied the game uh, in the end of regulation, sent that game into overtime when the Blue Jays ended up losing. And then uh, against North Central, when North Central had the lead by three with the ball, trying to get it up the court, North Central had a chance to dribble it up the floor, maybe just two steps. One of their guys shot a uh, really ill-advised pass, and they could have just walked it up the floor, and Ackerman picked off the pass. He tipped the pass to, I think it was Schwebke, Schwebke to Crittenden, Crittenden back to Ackerman, Ackerman for three, tie game with 20-something seconds to go. Elmhurst hangs on in, in regulation. They end up winning it overtime. So I got to call those games, and those are the kind of games, I think, to me, that showed where this program was heading. And now they've arrived. This this is this is the program. I mean, this is the year. They have they played eleven players yesterday, and ten of them were seniors. Yeah, one of one of my favorite columns I wrote for the school newspaper two years ago was uh, the Elmhurst College basketball team was going to win the CCIW, and I wrote that two years ago. I said in two years they're going to win the CCIW, and and they're on pace. They're on pace to win to to do that. Um, but I mean, you could just tell from the beginning. As soon as Coach Baines got here, the culture just changed. They had. They were a really young team when Coach Baines got here too. Right. So, so there were not a lot of graduating seniors. I, I think that the most notable one was was Nick Sanford. They had Nick Sanford, yeah. They they had a couple of guys, but in, in all reality, that six and nineteen season, the season before he came, they were six and nineteen, uh, and that's when I that means Kyle Weiss was a freshman that year. So that class was a freshman, and then he he said when I uh, and when we talked about Will Nixon on Monday, I, I interviewed him, and he said. Will Nixon was the guy that showed because uh, Will Nixon was looking to transfer and the schools that Baines was competing against for Nixon, Augustana, North Central. Uh, he didn't say Illinois Wesleyan, but I can't imagine that they he wouldn't be in the mix too. Ron Rose at Illinois Wesleyan. So the fact that you could get Nixon, a primetime player, to choose Elmhurst over Augustana and North Central really flipped this program around. Uh, I think that's a big part of it, along with, obviously, John Baines. Yeah, and I, I think I heard you say on the broadcast that he... He now is the all-time leading Elm, uh, in blocks. In blocks, two and a correct? half. He took two and a half years for him to break that he's, record. Yeah, and he still got yeah, he still got half a season left. Uh, you know, still. Uh, so yeah, I mean, when you when you look at this team, what do you think? I think before the year, we both you and I both agreed that it was Final Four or bust for for this team. Is it still like that, or is it now it's it's championship or bust? Would you go as far as that? It's hard. I think this team's going to take it as long, as far as they can go. And with their win against Augustana, I mean, it, it's looking like that this this could be a, a championship caliber team. I mean, I think they're one of, you know, 10, 12, 15 teams that somebody would say, yeah, I've seen that team. They can win a national championship. Uh, but will they do that? It, it depends. I mean, they have the depth. They rotate 11 players, but really – the guys played a lot of minutes. The top five games, guys yesterday played a lot of minutes. And they same for Augustana as well. If you look at Augustana's side of things. And, uh, and rightfully so. They had five, yeah, five players played over 20 minutes, and the rest played 18 or less. For Elmer's, five players played over 30 minutes, or 30 or more minutes, and then nobody else played more than 15. So, yeah. And the thing that I thought was interesting also with Augustana was that they would not Greg Giovanni, the head coach, would not budge with Tavion Johnson, who had four fouls, with Brandon Motzel, who had four fouls, both with like eight minutes to go. But he would—he always had one of them on the floor, and then neither of them fouled out. So it was a smart move. 
but you had 10 players starting in that game and they were all seniors. I mean, yep. it doesn't get any better than that. It was, it was physical, uh, but the referees did a great job. Once, once the physicality started to get too much, they called a couple of cheap fouls, reeled it back in. I thought they did a really good job with the game, not to mention the video review at the end, which yeah. I believe was the right call on the tip by Nixon that was negated. Uh, wait, explain, explain this. Cause I was, I was watching the broadcast and, uh, there was a little bit of confusion as to why, uh, you know, you said it's the right call for them to go to the video board, right? But, and and a natural viewer watching the game would probably say, "Well, well, yeah, well, wouldn't they check it out? Why wouldn't they check it out?" Well, Ex- you, yeah. you know, just elaborate on it because I know just Obvi- to clarify, right? Obviously, this isn't Division One, so you, the game's not on ESPN. The game's not. I mean, a lot of t- teams now are going to streaming, so. In Division Three, there's there's quite a real possibility that you would not have a video stream to look at because some schools don't stream their games. Some only have them on the radio. Some have audio only broadcast, no video. Some have video with no audio. I mean, it's just it's, right. It's very. I think it's a nice unique thing to have both here uh, at Elmhurst, and I think it really helps that Elmhurst has has a very high quality production. It's a really good production that they do. Uh, here with here at Elmhurst, it's gotten really good over the past two years. Right now, yeah, it's better and better. Sunrise right. Communications does a one, really a fantastic job. I mean, I'm I'm so impressed with everything that they do. The graphics, they link with the scoreboard wirelessly so that it automatically goes straight there and replays now. I don't think replays. they were there a year ago, maybe two years ago. I think two years ago, we may not have had replays. Now there are replays, uh, and so they were able to look at that video and they were able to see clear enough uh, and the play was uh Crittenden drove to the basket he missed Kyle Weiss put a tip back that was a little too strong and then Will Nixon tipped it up but his hand was still on the ball was 0.0 to go so it, therefore it got negated and uh, I said on the broadcast that I wasn't sure if they could do it right. uh, which I think sent the wrong message uh but I learned later uh, that yes you can and it's at the discretion of the officials Okay, so the officials, I was just going to ask yeah. you, that was my next follow-up, was if if there's a rule in place of, you know, if there's video available, can you use it, or is it just fair fair playing field that's under the ref's discretion? Ref's discretion, they can do it if they want, if they have access to it, and I'm really glad they did because you want to get the call right. And right, because, like, what if there was a what if there was a fan a fan in, in the sitting first row and, and was videoing it? Could they look at that, or would it? Have I think to it be, has. I think it has, has to it be, be official. Under, yeah, yeah, official school video, like actual broadcast of the game. I don't think they could right. pull it off of somebody's phone, but I they may not have a rule for that. But that may be again referee's discretion. Sorry, we're not gonna look at your fan's phone right. because you're obviously biased and so right. I don't know. Right, but. And then one of the themes to me in, in the game overall was uh, big-time players stepping up in big-time games. And there are a lot of big-time players on the floor, but the two biggest players on the floor yesterday were Hunter Hill for Augustana and Kyle Wiest for Elmhurst. And in the second half, both players put the team on their back when, when they really needed it. Augustana was down seven, their, their largest deficit at 43-36, to 36, looking at it now. Uh, there's a couple of layups, a couple of shots by certain players, and then all of a sudden you just start to see Hunter Hill's name. Hunter Hill, three-point play with 14 to go to tie the game at 47. Hunter Hill with two free throws at 11.45. Hunter Hill with a layup at 10.51. Two more free throws. That's eight straight points by Hunter Hill uh, and only two points to an eight-to-two run just solely by Hunter Hill in that stretch. 
And that puts in that last layup, fast break, that's a 10 to 2 run. It puts Augustana up by six, which was their largest lead of the game. And Elmhurst is all sorts of struggling offensively. They think they've made two shots in the last seven minutes. Kyle Weiss doesn't have a point in the second half after 16 in the first. And then all of a sudden, Kyle Weiss takes Crunch over and he gets to the free throw line. And that's that's where Kyle Weiss wants to be. He's a great free throw shooter, always has been in his career. And then you get here he goes on a solo 4 nothing run and a solo 7-2 to two run to put Elmhurst back within one. He hits two free throws with 8-19 to go. He And in the very next possession, after a turnover by Augustana, he hits two more free throws, getting to the line, which is so huge for him because he, he was not shooting well in the beginning of the second half. No points, but the ability to get to the free throw line re-added to his confidence. Then after an Augustana basket, Weast with a three to cut it to one. And then Brian Ackerman hits two free throws to give the Blue Jays the lead at that point. And so when the teams needed the most, when Augustana was down by seven, it was Hunter Hill who was able to bring the Vikings back, big-time players stepping up in this kind of game. And then Kyle Weast uh, with Elmer's down six, able to cut the lead all the way back. And then eventually Brian Ackerman helps them retake the lead. Big-time players stepping up in big-type games. And they're two of the best guards in the country right there. And yeah. it was... And we saw it last oh, year, too, when game. Kyle took over in the triple overtime game. I, I can't... Who was the opponent? I can't remember. St. Norbert. Say, okay, so I remember we were watching. Kyle Weiss just went off in all those overtimes. And I think it was... Uh, uh, he made he made an unbelievable shot. To, made, I think it was to tie yeah, the game. Tie it, the with, game. Like, seconds left. In and, the second overtime, I believe, it was Kyle Weiss leaning three. And I was talking to Kevin Jude, our sports information director, and he... Um, you know, a lot of times uh, writers will write their leads prior to uh, prior to the game being over so you can have a better shot at deadline. And Kevin, is, I wrote my lead three times because I thought there was no chance that we were coming back. And then, you know, Eric Leonard drops the ball on the floor. Will Nixon picks it up and lays it in at regulation. Kyle Weist hits an unbelievable three-pointer. And then eventually Elmer's fouled out the St. Norbert's big, and that was it. That right. was really the, the nail in the coffin. Because St. Norbert wasn't that deep. They went about five, six really good players deep and then some role players. And once they got that star player out, that was it. And so I think it's very realistic to think that this Blue Jay team could go far places to the Final Four, to the National Championship. But it's so hard. Right. Uh, there's so many good and, teams and there's so, in Division There's so three. much basketball left, too. So I, much. This was the second game of the CCIW. So, I mean, you still got... A lot of things can unfold before the end of the year. And how awesome it is that we have more of this. Yeah. I mean, to think, really. Lucky real, for you, you get to call them all, too. I, at least two more. Well, pro- at least one more matchup between Augustana and Elmer, which will be at the end of January. But then potential CCW championship game in the tournament. Then potential NCAA tournament game. I mean, so there could be up to f- uh, four. There could four, be up to four matchups between these two teams. And the NCAA likes to link team, link close teams. So they don't have to fly teams. So it's very realistic that we could see this matchup in the Elite Eight. Uh, is And we wouldn't see it, I don't think, in the first two rounds unless one of the teams really falls off the table. But for the Blue Jays, uh, it will be big the rest of the way to not to hold yourself together. You got this great win. Great. Enjoy it for one day. Get back down to business. Uh, come today and uh, tomorrow, Friday, and then you got to go on the road to Milliken and every team in this conference is so tough. I mean, there are no easy wins in this conference. Wheaton, who was, I think, four and seven at the time, took Augustana down to the last shot, had a, had a shot to go up by two with 19 to go, missed it. So every team in this conference, whether you're four and seven, whether you're Elmerstedt or Augustana at 12 and one, every game in this conference is good. And so you can't, 
take anybody lightly, especially coming up after Milliken. Elmhurst has been pretty solid against Milliken in the last couple of years. But Carthage beat Elmhurst here at here at home in Elmhurst uh, last year. So they go on the road to Carthage after you have Milliken on the road, and then you go on the road to Wheaton, who has always been really they're always tough. tough. They're yeah. always really tough, especially against Elmhurst. Even in football. <laughs> right, in football they're real good too. So, in, But in, in this men's basketball, they always give Elmhurst trouble. So, in, but this is a senior-laden group. I mean, ten out of the eleven players that play are are seniors, and you and even against IWU it was ten out of ten. They played those ten players, and they were all seniors. So this team, this team knows where they want to go. They'll they'll check back in. John Baines always likes to check back in twice or three times a season. I would not be surprised if one of those days was today after such a physical game yesterday. And I say, all right, let's take a breather. Let's see where are we at. Where do we want to go? Let's refocus. You got three road games coming up, and they're big ones. You got in really, if you want to win the conference and you want to host that conference tournament, you're probably not going to be able to have more than two or three losses in the conference. So realistically, we'll see what happens. Can Augustana hold serve the other uh, in Rock Island at the end of January? And then will another team like a North Central, like a North Park, although Elmhurst has dominated North Park just because it's a tough matchup for the Vikings, will Elmhurst then be able to host that conference tournament, which is another big thing because that's a big home court advantage as we saw yesterday. Right. Last question before we wrap up. Augie was number one heading in. Elmhurst was number five. How do you see the the rankings unfold after Elmhurst's upset victory? I would not be surprised if Augustana stays ahead of Elmhurst. I think that Elmhurst did not play the strongest non-conference schedule, and maybe that was planned because the CCIW is just such a brutally physical, tough conference like we're talking about. So, And it was just so neck and neck that there, there was no separation. It wasn't like, you know, Elmhurst won by 10, and it was kind of a, and no, then, you know, Elmhurst was also. team a, led by more than seven. Right. So, so right, yeah, right now we're looking at, I'm look, I'll look at the top five, and I'll stick within the top five. So you have Augustana at one. They're the unanimous number one right now, but they'll drop down. So you have Whitworth after that, who recently survived Calvin. So Whitworth will probably jump to number one there at school in Washington. And you have Hope, who's 10-1. and one. I wouldn't be surprised if Hope jumped up. To, I, I wouldn't be surprised if everybody jumped up. It's just a matter of where do you put Augustana because everybody else, I believe, held serve in those games, and Elmhurst had the big win. So there are two one-loss teams ahead of Elmhurst. Do you take this one win to mean so much that maybe there are three Maybe they're two. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be up to the voters. But I think this Elmhurst team really proved themselves this week with the wins over Illinois Wesleyan and Augustana. Although IWU is down this year, still a win over Illinois Wesleyan is always a big deal uh, in this conference. So it's two really big wins. Uh, to be honest, my gut feeling says uh, to leave Augustana a little bit higher just because of their total body of work. Uh, and... I don't want Elmer's fans to gripe about that because for the entire season, Elmer's has been ahead of Benedictine and Benedictine has a head to head win over the blue Jays. So uh, I, I, I think it should stay Elmer's or Augustana Elmer's Benedictine. And I think that would go maybe three, four, five, uh, four, five, maybe three, four, six Benedictine stays at six is they, they have a pretty weak conference in general. And they are different than the CCIW. They may run the table and go undefeated. It's quite possible. Uh, they have some good wins over North Central and Elmhurst, but they're both close wins. So my gut feeling says Augustana stays ahead of Elmhurst, but I think you, I think you can put them either way. I don't think it matters. Right. They're both I, gonna, they're both gonna make the tournament. I and, was, I was just gonna yeah. say that it, honestly, it does not matter where they are right now. It matters obviously where they are at the end of the season because that's, 
the standings are they're still they're, there's so much that can happen you know it's still the second game and 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 like you said this is you know this is a tough conference you know there are no nights off so the the, the standings could turn a little bit upside down if if you know the way things shake up during the final stretch of the year right even brandon schwebke said yesterday after the games like i know we beat the number one team but rankings don't matter at this point right. yeah you know, i mean really the d3 hoops rankings they the ncaa takes their own rankings and regional rankings into consideration so well i think what elmerst wants to avoid they want to be ahead of augustana so that they don't have benedictine in their little pot there, although yeah. they, they would love to have benedictine again because you know that uh the elmerst players are licking their chops trying to show that they can beat Benedictine because that was really just a brutal, brutal first half against the Eagles. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, if anything, this, this win basically just gave them even more confidence that they already had. So, you know, they, they, they knew they could, they, they already knew, right. They, they knew they could compete with this kind of team. And now they know that they could beat that kind of team. And it, it just shows a team, the team that was the perennial favorites to, to win it all. Now you just beat them. So that puts you right into that discussion as well. Exactly. Awesome. Great recap. Great call. Thank Looking you. Looking forward to hearing you even more. Uh, I told you yesterday that I was going to listen to it after after I got home, and I That's did. That's right. I got, I got back, and I watched the overtime. Um, all right, we're going to play a couple songs here, then we'll get back into the action. We'll talk about NFL picks coming up next. Welcome back to the Luke and Charlie Show podcast. My name's Luke Tanaka, and I am sitting right next to Charlie Romeliotis, but not too close. We're going to keep yeah. our fair distance, although... We have, I think we have decided, although I, I can, can't speak for both of us, that uh, we may be purchasing a mini flipping table yeah, for, the, a, for the show. Yeah, it's kind of an inside joke. I don't think our viewers will get it, but to us, it's... Uh, well, if, if, uh, if something goes wrong or you feel even comically angry... Yeah, you just brush you're everything not even off. Angry. The, yeah, not even angry. Just, just brush just everything kinda, off the table and then just flip it over. Yeah, flip it over. But yeah, Luke, you showed me that last time. I think we did a podcast or whatever we have, before. Many flipping tables are a real thing, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, dang. Uh, we. I, I should have requested that for my Christmas present. I know. I I'll get. I, I'll get that for you ne- next. Uh, Let's next get it Christmas. for you. We'll get it for each other. We're next get it for Christmas. each other. Awesome. You can always use it. Okay, I'll act surprised when I open it. Me too. Me too. We we can you know put our hands on our cheeks and have the like the oh oh my the Home Alone guy. Yes, the Home Alone. Exactly. <laughs> We're gonna Home Alone it. So, Charlie, I I think we have. Are we deciding to go NFC or AFC first? Uh, please, you know, flip the coin and see what happens, or just flip it in your mind. Let's go NFC. Okay, we'll go NFC. We'll wait, we'll wait for the AFC NFC, because NFC is a, a good feeling, one. Because I have a feeling we're gonna get it might it might get it might get a little bit heated on one of the games in the AFC. Tables so we'll, may be flipped. T- tables may be flipped. Real tables, not just fake ones. We'll start with the NFC. Okay. Uh, let's go with. We're gonna okay. So we'll break it down. We're gonna preview each game. Uh, do a prediction, and then we're also gonna uh, say who we think is gonna come out of the. Out of each conference, and maybe we'll probably even do our Super Bowl prediction too, if if we're feeling in all likelihood. In all likelihood. So, all right, let's start with the Seattle, um, Seattle versus Viking game, Minnesota. Oh, and by the way, before the way. before we, this is the this is what I wanted to share with you. Okay. As of last night, all four road teams were favored to win, on the first wild card weekend. I am. That is that I, uh, is incredible. To I me. know, but I'm not surprised. I'm not all. either. I and I think it's because some divisions are down. You have the what the NFC East 
is a little bit down, but the Redskins are nine and seven, kind of saved the NFC East because they're not. They ended up finishing off pretty strong, which right. I I'm not surprised that Vegas thinks that uh, the that Vegas has the Packers as favorites, but I would be surprised if a lot of people aren't thinking about the Redskins. I think that the average fan completely dismissed the Washington Redskins when the NFC East was so bad. But now all of a sudden they've won so many they've won so many of their final games. Okay. And now all of a sudden they're playing really well. Let's just get to this game. Let's okay. just, let's well, just do we're Packers. Just start because this is this line before you before you say your prediction, this line started as Washington were where they were one point favorites. Then it moved to Green Surprise. Bay. Green Bay was a one point favorite. And yeah. I just checked minutes before we went on the air. It is now a pick'em game. Okay. Yes, I, I agree because the general public is still, I'm sure, thinking about how, wow, that NFC East, oh, that NFC East was really bad this year. And, well, the Packers are the Packers, and they have Aaron Rodgers, and of course they're going to win this game. He's been really bad He's lately. Been, well, they can't, they can't block for him. Well, they can't block in New England either. I mean, yeah, man, I guess you well, see what's going on. It's two different kind of styles of coaching, too, in quarterbacks where Aaron Rodgers wants to throw the ball down the field. And when you don't let him throw the ball down the field, then he he kind of it's kind of stuck in his ways. And so if they want to win this game, he's going to have to get out of those ways. He's going to have to throw the short ball. I mean, because like usually coaches make adjustments in games, and and in watching you know portions of that Arizona, the Green Bay against Arizona game, they didn't make any adjustments. They kept running the same plays, and Arizona kept getting home to Aaron Rodgers with four rushers. It, what you got to make an adjustment, right? Is that coaching? Is that Rogers being stubborn? I don't know, but probably a combination of everything. It could be a combination of everything. And I think it's kind of dysfunctional. And I think a lot of people in Wisconsin are kind of hoping that the Packers lose. So things change. I, I can't put words in the mouth of Wisconsin people, but I mean, I think that they would rather see the Packers lose this game to the Redskins and they would lose the next game, which would be either the Panthers, or the Cardinals. Because then say, oh, we want a playoff game, so I guess we can keep it the way it is. Instead of, we just lost to the Redskins. We were awful five weeks ago. Now we need to make some changes. Uh, so you know how I, you can tell how I'm leaning so on this one. So you're going Washington. I'm go, I, I agree. I'm it's going so Washington. hard, but I'm going to go Washington. Go, you're, you're going Washington. It's uh, so you're, hard. You're afraid to, to pick it, but I'm I'll make so it for you. I'm so afraid to pick Washington because they were so bad. But right now, who's playing their best football right now? Washington is playing... Yeah. Who's been the hottest quarterback in football, aside from maybe Russell Wilson? Kirk, in the Kirk, 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 Cousins. Kirk Cousins. He's awesome. The only thing I don't like about Washington is they have they don't have a win above uh, against a team above 500. Right. So, obviously, you know. But the Packers Green, Green right Bay, now. Their Green Bay is above 500. But at the same time, Green Bay has been really bad against mediocre teams lately. They, they, they lost to the Bears. They lost to the Lions at home. They lost to all three divisional opponents for the first time in, like, at home, for yeah, the first, for the first time, time since, since like I think the, it was sixty-one. Yeah, it was. Yes, yeah, so you're right, sixty-one. And the Packers right now are playing like a six and you know six and ten team, not a ten and six team. So I, I two teams trending in wrong directions. I can't be afraid to take the Redskins. I, I am, I am very. That's actually Washington over Green Bay is actually one of my my higher confidence picks of the of the weekend. It would be. I think it would be three for me. I think it would be three. three out of four. Yeah, it'd be the third lowest or the third lowest, I guess. I mean, uh, for me, that's I don't know, but I'm really I'm really confident in that pick, and I know it's a pick'em game, but at the same time, I feel like the public is, you know, oh Aaron Rodgers, I'm right. going with you know that, that yep. that's just that's totally yeah, and I I disagree with that. I think Washington's going to win. They're going to be one of the games that the road team doesn't win. 
because there's no way all four row teams are going to win this. Are going to win this weekend? No, I know they're all favored, but it's it's not going to end up. The NFL is so unpredictable, especially in the playoffs. Um, we're go we're both going with, with Washington. Next game, Seattle versus Minnesota. Who do who do you have? Again, it's it's kind of. I mean, the Vikings are playing okay football, but and they did beat the Packers, but we're all we're all talking here saying that the Packers aren't that great, and the Vikings just barely beat the Packers on the road this past this past week, and the Seahawks are playing like they're playing really well right now. I mean, they might be the, they might be the best team in football, and they're yeah. ten and six, and they're the number six seed, uh, and I'm so glad that if they win, they get to play the Panthers instead of the Cardinals in the divisional round. Because I want to see a Seahawks Cardinals uh, NFC Championship, but we'll get to that, that would in a be second. Fun. I that's that's what I'm looking forward to uh, already. So I'm I'm taking the Seahawks, and I'm not second guessing at all about it. It's uh, I'd call this this is probably my most confident pick of the week. Uh, it's it's Seattle over over the Vikings, and I think Teddy Bridgewater gets pressured. Uh, I think Adrian Peterson gets a hundred yards, but it's not enough. Yeah, I agree. This is the biggest point spread of the of the the weekend. They're they're favored by four, Seattle. And the thing it comes down to for me is it, it's going to come down to Russell Wilson versus Teddy Bridgewater, and and it's not it's not close for me. Not Russell close. Wilson is he the, the, he's he has been on one of one of the best stretches in NFL history. I think I think he's had like his his last his Q, or his touchdown interception ratio is like ridiculous in the last five games of the season. And I think they're getting Marshawn Lynch back, but I could be wrong about that. I th- I, th- I think he's expected to play, so that's a that's another huge that's a huge boost. With all the talk about the Seattle defense, and everybody kind of expects, you know, yeah, Seattle is going to be the number one defense, and their offense is going to get by. They're ranked fourth in yards per game on offense, and their defense has not been you know, as stellar as it's been in the past. I mean, and it wasn't at the I guess I should say at the beginning of the season it wasn't as stellar. Now they're fourth in offensive yards per game and they're second in allowing defensive yards on the defensive side they're only giving up 291 yards per game and they're and on by contrast on the offensive side they're gaining 300 over 375 yards a game that's a huge disparity and it's gonna take a lot of russell wilson mistakes to make up for something like that yeah i agree so we're both going seattle and washington in the NFC. Always fun when we agree, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. Makes for great radio, doesn't oh, it? Yes. Is, that, is that what it is that what the, the lingo is? Anyways, yes. Let's, let's go to the AFC and then, you, and then go to the AFC. Okay. Let's go to the AFC and then and then we'll work our way to the as the rounds get deeper. Okay. Um let's go with Kansas City Texans. That's the five versus four matchup. I I'm a little worried about the Texans uh getting some pressure on Alex Smith and perhaps coaxing him into a bat a poor decision or two, but the Chiefs are playing really good football right now. I, I'm very impressed with Alex Smith and what he's been able to do. I, I'm surprised that – I think it's uh, funny that he didn't come out. Uh, maybe he should have replied to Jim Harbaugh's tweet and said – and, like, had the little finger pointing up uh, the emoji or whatever it is because, remember, they dumped Alex Smith for Colin Kaepernick, and now Colin Kaepernick's not doing so great, and now Alex yeah, Smith is right. doing really well. So you reap what you sow, 49ers, and you've reaped a couple of things that you're not so happy about. So Kansas City also has the seventh-ranked defense in terms of yards per game. So defense is good. Uh, they don't have Jamal Charles, which is a big a loss, of course, uh, on the offensive side of things. But but they've won, they've won 10 in a row without him, so I, I don't think exactly. it, you know, that's much, much of a 
you know, much of a concern there. Houston has the third-ranked defense in the NFL, but I just don't think whoever they have at quarterback, whether it's Hoyer or Whedon or whoever it is, is going to be able to outplay Alex Smith. And I don't think that rushing attack is it's does it doesn't scare me either. Houston's 19th in the league in terms of offensive yards per game. So I, I think it could come down to conversions as well, but I like Kansas City. I agree. I got Kansas City as well. And and this is a funny this is a funny stat that I just looked up. Uh defensively, Houston and Kansas City are one and two. Uh, I should say they're thirty first and thirty second in uh third down conversion so they allow the most uh or they allow the fewest uh third downs they're right. both one and two right? so yeah they, they are one and two i'm sorry i was looking at it the other way uh, they are they're one and two in fewest third down in, in percentage rate so 28 and a half percent for houston and 33 percent right Kansas so City. so is this going to be like a uh you know what is this going to come down to it's going to come down to 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 first downs on what the the previous on first and second down it's going to come it's i think it's going to come down to who can get third and short who can gain those two or three yards on first and second down so you end up in second and four, or third and four, excuse me, or you end up at third and three situations because those ones are so hard to defend, uh, as even a, even for a defense as good as these teams. But, I mean, those, punter, those punters have to get their legs warmed up for this one. Yeah. You can could, you could see a couple of punts in this one. It, uh, it, they'll, they'll be warm. They'll, they're going to be in Houston, so that's they'll be true. Warm, yeah, though. although Houston's been cold in the winter, so you never know. But Houston will be warmer than Kansas City. I like Kansas City just because the teams are so similar. You look at that, you know, the top two third down conversion to defenses, you know, running backs who aren't necessarily uh, household names, Alfred Blue versus uh, Charkandrick West. West. Uh, so Niall Davis. I mean, I, I so, feel like the only reason we know this is fantasy purposes. Of course, you know, I, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know these guys if you if you didn't play. No, unless you watch them on a on a daily basis because we don't get all the NFL games or, necessarily. Or the, or the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost Le'Veon Bell and now D'Angelo Williams, who might play. I don't know, but but now they're on what Fitz Toussaint, and you know, yeah. nobody would know who these guys are, you know, unless if it weren't for fantasy. So um, I'm also going Kansas City. Check out this stat: they've allowed twelve point eight points per game during that 10 game winning streak and they also and they also lead the the afc in, in uh uh takeaways and giveaways that the differential with plus 14 so that i mean how do you even how do you even compare to that because when when your quarterback is is brandon whedon brian hoyer i don't even know which one they're starting i i've looked it up and i think there's still it's still up in the air which quarterback do i want i want alex smith and to be honest before the, the entire we went on the, the air we thought AFC, it was ryan mallet yeah the entire afc the quarterbacks in the afc are well i mean who the aj mccarran i know you love him but still he's, we'll get to him don't worry and still he's only played what three or four games in the nfl you have obviously Tom Brady. You had Brock Osweiler for a while. Maybe it's Peyton Manning now. Manning did play well for Denver in that game. Who else do you? I mean, Alex Smith, and and then now you have Big Ben. Otherwise, it would have been Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it's Big Ben now. So just the names of these quarterbacks, it's it was all it's almost funny to look at. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. There was a there was a meme, not even a meme. It was just a picture of the AFC starting quarterbacks, and it was like Tom Brady, and then after that, it was. You know, Alex Smith, A.J. McCarron, uh, at the time, Brandon Whedon, Ryan, um, Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then the Colts were still in it. So it was like Josh Freeman, and um, uh, there's there's one more I'm missing that, that I can't. 
Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. There it is. Did I, did I say him? I don't know. Maybe. But isn't that? It, it's isn't just that amazing? It was such a dip off from Tom Brady, and then you just go to the rep. But but it goes to show you that you know d- d- it's still a defensive league. I know it's a quarterback's league, but it's still you got to have a really good defense. It's like the Bears in two thousand. They went to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. Like yeah. you know, you just got to have that defense, and, and you'll be. Uh, you know, that'll that'll carry you so much, but you need the quarterback, obviously, to win the Super Bowl. So we're so, all on the Chiefs. We're all on the Chiefs. Wow, we're we're three. We're all we're three. on the Redskins. Yeah, we're, we're all on the Seahawks. <laughs> we're, we're three for three, but we are going to disagree on this next one. Yes. Uh, Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. The Steelers are three-point favorites. Cincinnati hasn't lost. They've lost. They haven't won an opening round game in four years. In, they've, it's been four in a row. So, um I'm guessing you're going to go against them, correct? That is absolutely correct. You're going to ride with I everyone else. I'm going to go with the Steelers because the two times that Cincinnati and Pittsburgh played, the Steelers rush defense, which allows less than 91 yards per game. I think they allowed 90 yards per game on the ground. Well, Jen, the first matchup that the Bengals won 16-10 on an Andy Dalton late touchdown, gave up 23 carries for 78 yards. And the matchup they won, 16 carries for 64 yards. And Pittsburgh won that one 33 to 20. That was the game where Dalton went down after five passes. And A.J. McCarron came in, threw two touchdowns and two picks. He looked pretty good, but the team ended up losing. And I will take the Steelers because I think that they shut down the rushing attack and then they make A.J. McCarron beat them and I'm not saying that he couldn't do it, but I don't think he's ready yet. I, I McCarron has shown flashes of brilliance, but I don't think he's there yet, even against a Steeler pass defense that isn't that great. And plus, I mean, if you if you give me Big Ben or AJ McCarron in the playoffs, sorry, Charlie, but I'm taking Big Ben. Well, well, I would I would agree with that right now. Um, okay, question: If Andy Dalton were starting this game, who would you who would you pick? I would still probably take the Steelers. I think it'd be a lot closer. Uh, I wouldn't take the. I wouldn't swallow the three points if if it was with the if it was with Dalton. But I would. I think the Steelers will win by a touchdown. Okay. At least. Okay. I I disagree with you. That's obviously. Fine, of course. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try to let my. Uh, it's gonna sound homerish because I obviously am a huge AJ McCarron fan. I wrote Rabbit. a column that he was a, the next Tom Brady, and I still believe that. And this is finally his opportunity. The only thing I worry about is that Andy Dalton is gonna come back if they end up. You know, beating Pittsburgh, then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna face New England, and which, by the way, that's gonna be a great matchup if I could see that. Tom Brady versus AJ McCarron's Bengals, and remember that? Remember last week, the last time we did a podcast, I joked around that we said AJ McCarron's Bengals, and it was still Andy Dalton. The it was starter. still Andy it's Dalton. Funny that so we're it was, talking a, it was about a joke. AJ McCarron, yeah, it was a joke, and that's funny now that I'm saying AJ McCarron's Bengals because it's true. Um, I'm gonna go with Cincinnati, and I have several reasons why, and I'm gonna start with. I'm going to start with Andy Dalton as the reason why uh, why I like AJ McCarron better in this game than I do with Andy Dalton for Cincinnati is because um, I, Andy Dalton has a better shot at I think it'll be a much it'll be a high scoring game if it was Andy Dalton versus Pittsburgh because I think it'd be a high scoring matchup it, it'd be it'd be back and forth Andy Dalton would probably throw three touchdowns and they they just the it just the defense wouldn't be there it would just be a, you know a, a flinging match. But I, 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 the reason I'm confident in McCarron over over Dalton in this game is because AJ McCarron, all he does is 
he'll throw, what, 150, 200 yards a game, a touchdown, but he won't turn the ball over. And that's all they need because you see what happened in the last four playoffs for, for Cincinnati. Andy Dalton has choked, and, and that defense has been so good that they didn't. all they need is a quarterback that won't choke and that, that'll just do all the right things, make all the right plays, won't turn the ball, ball over. And that's why A.J. McCarron fits so well in this system and in this in this uh and he even had a year last year when he was injured to you know soak all this in and, and to to he already knows the system so everyone's saying ah this is his first action you know i don't know how it would perform i mean he was such a big time player in college and i know that doesn't necessarily translate college to nfl but he he has ice in his veins man he, he forgets about it and and even even uh you know he played really well against denver and i know he had that late turnover that kind of clinched the game, you know, they were making a comeback and he, he turned it up, but that wasn't like a bad mistake. He just, he just looked up, but you know, before the, before the ball got to his hands, you know, he was just looking ahead. So I, I think when, when you, when it's AJ McCarron versus Andy Dalton, I like AJ McCarron better than, than Dalton in this matchup, because look, Dalton has the better shot at throwing three touchdowns, but he also has the better shot at throwing three interceptions. AJ McCarron won't do that. AJ McCarron will throw maybe he threw two picks against Pittsburgh in the first game, but he didn't have any preparation. So now in his, in his three starts, McCarron has three, he has zero interceptions. He hasn't turned the ball over once and, and they've gone two and one. So, I mean, he, he's a much better, he's a much better fit for this matchup. And I think that's why it's going to be low, low scoring. And I don't know why the, the, all, all the favorite is on, is on Pittsburgh right now. I get that. Their offense is so. Their offense is so it's potent. Just so it's so potent, but at the same time, how many times have we seen this in the playoffs where it's 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 all about defense? You know, if what what happens if if uh, if if Pittsburgh's offense struggles? Which another thing, they really struggled against Cleveland in, on last Sunday, right. which was a game they needed to win to make the playoffs. They were they really sunk it up in the first three quarters and on offense and on defense. So what happens if that offense isn't there? They they their offense pulled away in the fourth quarter because Cleveland is just turned into Cleveland, right? And it still so, has to be AJ McCarron that's going to beat him because the Bengals aren't going to be able to run the ball. That's true, but so, but how so many AJ McCarron's going to put up at least probably twenty points to win this game? I, I, and I think that, I think that'll happen. I think Pittsburgh is going to be held to under twenty points in this game. Mm, I think it'll be like a twenty seventeen game. Because even uh, and, and I'm looking at the Bengals playoff history the last four games. The only real good quarterback that they've played in those four games is Andrew Luck last year, and they lost to him 26-10. to 10. But they play. I mean, Phillip Rivers is a good quarterback, but not necessarily in cold weather in January, and they lost to him 27-10. to 10. Then they lost to the Houston Texans twice. I can't remember who the Houston Texans quarterback was in 2012 and 2011, but they lost to him both times, 31-10 to 10 in 2011, and then 19-13 to 13 in 2012. So I can't. I can't just I can't I know you love McCarron and that's great, but I can't I can't put my eggs in McCarron's basket when I can put them in Big Ben's basket. Well, yeah, which is fine because I, I don't I don't want everyone to be on McCarron's basket right now because that's okay. why he's going to perform so well. Does he get crowded in that basket? Sometimes? Yeah, and and another reason why is Cincinnati's D is, D is just so good. They're 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 plus eleven in in uh, you know turnover differential, and that's the second best in the in the AFC, right right below you know, Kansas city. So, mm -hmm. you know, you already got that defense. That's so good at taking the ball away. And now you got McCarron at quarterback who doesn't give the ball away. Like I like that ingredient more than I like, you know, relying on Pittsburgh and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger who, ha who hasn't really been that great. 
you know, in the past three games. So right. um, I'm going with Cincinnati. That's finally we disagree. Finally. But but now but now now is where we get into the interesting part. How how deep should we should we stick in the AFC? We'll stick in the AFC. How how deep um, do you have Pittsburgh going? Who do you have coming out of the AFC? I right now I'm looking at it and I find it really hard not to take the Chiefs out of the AFC. It's because of the way they're playing defense, because of the way Alex Smith's been playing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs. And I, I think that they can come out of the AFC. I think it'll it, it will be, it'll be really tough to get by the Patriots. But I don't see a team in the AFC that's playing better than the Chiefs right now. I, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Kansas City. Um, I, I, have, I have a couple ifs for my pick, if that's okay. Well, I mean, I could have had ifs too, but I didn't. So well, yeah. my ifs kind of matter. Okay. Where, where? Okay. So if AJ McCarron plays, yes. If AJ McCarron plays, I have, I have, I, I have Cincinnati beating Pittsburgh. This isn't funny. I'm actually really serious about this. Well, you're laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because I see you laughing because because you think I'm joking and you think I don't think you're joking. I just think it's very just, funny. You how just think rabid, I'm blind, don't you? Rabid your fandom is for AJ McCarron. Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but I, I just, I, I. I think this is the shot he really needed, and and okay. he's gonna get it. But okay, so so here's where I think I think Cincinnati's gonna beat Pittsburgh. I think they're gonna beat New England in Foxborough, <laughs> if that happens. New England is not playing well. Ooh. The only reason I would I would they're not playing well, so it's the, it's possible. Yeah, the only reason I would hesitate to to pick against New England in Foxborough is because um Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady, but I, I, I think Julian Edelman is going to be ready to return in that game. That's so huge for their offense, and that is that is just if that if that happens, that that's just I don't even know if I can go against that. So um, if Julian Edelman comes back, then you're going to take. Well, it's actually not that. It's defense. not. I would still take Cincinnati. Okay. My if is, the deeper Cincinnati goes, the deeper I think. It gives Andy Dalton time to come back. Well, he and I think they said he should be back by the divisional round, which is the second round. Which is the second round. So if he's back, all bets are off. I think they're gonna. It, it's. Let's just put it this way: if it's AJ McCarron at riding shotgun, I got Cincinnati going to the Super Bowl. If it's wow. not, if it's not, I have Denver, and it's not close. Really, Denver with Peyton Manning, not Brock Eisweiler. Yeah. Okay. Because th- this is. Can we agree on this? This is by far the best defense Peyton Manning has ever had. Uh, yeah. On on his team, yeah, like, totally. This is... I mean, and the and it now that I think about it, the rapid decline of this Broncos defense came right when Brock Osweiler came in to be the quarterback. Right, and and the the reason I love this is because Denver is number one in in, in pass defense, number one in rush defense, and they also not not like unlike in years past, they they take the ball away. That they're so good at, at at takeaways. So, I mean, I think they lead the league in takeaways, but. If you want to look that up for me, you can. I I have it right here. Just actually. keep talking. Yeah, I'll keep talking. Uh, they no no, it's Carolina. But but Denver. Denver has twenty seven takeaways, but but they have thirty one giveaways. So their their turnover ratio is minus four, because they've given it away. Because so they've many given times. it away so many times. So, I like Denver. Um, Denver with Peyton Manning. If AJ McCarron or if if uh, Andy Dalton comes back and steals, steals AJ McCarron's thunder. I got Cincinnati in the in the Super Bowl. You make a good case for Denver, but I'm gonna stick with the Chiefs just because I don't want to go back on my word. But that, I think that, that's actually that's a really good pick. I, I put a lot of stock in a turnover ratio, and, and that that's and just luckily the if this if I, my predictions are correct and the Steelers end up winning, they wouldn't have to play the Broncos till the AFC Championship game, which yeah. would be huge for them. I mean, they get to play the Patriots, which is just as difficult, of course. 
but the Broncos would probably pay, play a little better. I just haven't seen enough from Peyton Manning as he's come back. He looked great when I watched him uh, in week 17, but that's the only time we've seen him since he was really pretty rough early in the season. So I, I'm going to put my stock into the team that's stayed for the majority healthy and has been able to really rattle off a whole bunch of wins and then looking real good in the process. Yeah, and the only reason I wouldn't go since or the I wouldn't go Kansas City is because I don't know if I trust uh, I don't know if I trust Alex Smith going up in Foxborough or Denver and, and beating and, and getting by Peyton Manning and or Tom Brady in their building. That that's hard it's for tough. me to. That's yeah. tough. It's tough. But I'm gonna go out on a limb. How about the NFC? Okay, NFC. Um, I've got Carolina. Carolina. I like I said. They've got 39 takeaways, which is like by far the best in the NFL. Cam Newton, I mean, he he's the MVP, right? He, he's got yes. the MVP. Hellacious defense. They've already beaten Seattle, and we both agree that we think it's going to come down to that matchup. So I think I think Carolina is going to go go past Seattle. That's the divisional round matchup is Seattle. Yeah, that's a, that's a divisional. And then after that, it's Arizona. What Arizona, from our predictions, Arizona, Washington. I think Arizona wins that. And I think Carolina will get back. I think it's just going to come down to home field advantage, and I think Carolina is going to win it. I think Carolina peaked at the wrong time. I think they peaked in weeks 13 and 14, right in the middle of my fantasy semifinal. Thanks, Cam Newton. Um, <laughs> and that's meaning that I lost. So I, I think that the uh, I think the Panthers will lose to the Seahawks. I think it's so hard to beat that team twice. And I think that Arizona uh, squeaks out against Seattle, and Arizona wins it all over the Chiefs. I mean, mine. I think Arizona, so you got Arizona winning it all. Yeah, Arizona winning it all. But I would not be at all surprised to see the Seahawks win that NFC Championship game that I have predicted uh, and then beat the Chiefs. So, unfortunately, for the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl but then losing to whoever comes out uh, to me in the NFC. Gotcha. Well, what are, what's the likelihood of a Denver-Seattle rematch? I think pretty high, to yeah. be completely honest. I, I That's think, another possibility. I think that I Seattle's a better, playing better than Carolina is right now. I just do. And... So as much as I really like Carolina and what Cam Newton's done, they did not look that great in their last two weeks. So you can't you get you it's who it's how are you playing right now? And if you're Cam Newton in Carolina, uh, I think that they are not. They peaked in weeks 14, 15. I mean, yeah, we're 14 and 15. Yeah. So you got Arizona over Arizona over Kansas City over Kansas City, and I got well. I don't know if this is going to happen. It's going to be. I I got Cincinnati over Carolina, but that's only if AJ McCarron's riding. I can't believe you have AJ McCarron winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I, I just want to flip a table. You want to flip a, a fake one or a real one? I don't know. It Probably depends. a real one. We'll do a real one. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll come back soon, and we'll. One of you, us. You can tell one, me. You can one, tell me why I was wrong in Asia McCarron when they get ousted in the first round, and <laughs> one of us will mock the other, yeah. and then return the favor. I'm That's sure. right. Awesome. Good stuff, Luke. Yes. Nice having. Always. Nice being doing this again. Yes. Good All talk. Right, thanks for listening, guys.